Just two days until the 2020 election. Today we'll have the latest on the race for president, governor, and attorney general as we talk with AG candidates Todd Rokita and Jonathan Weinzapfer. And more of our interviews with congressional candidates Victoria Sparks, Christina Hale, Trey Hollingsworth, and Andy Ruff. Plus the impact of those long lines for early voting. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. Two days from now, the polls will close on this 2020 election. But how much will we know Tuesday night with so many absentee ballots that need to be counted? That's been a big topic of conversation, of course, in the race for president. Donald Trump, Joe Biden and their running mates hitting a number of key swing states over the weekend. This as some Indiana voters continue to deal with those long lines of early voters coming out in record breaking numbers. Meantime, the candidates for governor here in Indiana held their final debate Tuesday night, talking about the state's rising coronavirus numbers, among other topics. Our Birchelle Edme has a recap. Thank you for joining us. Dominating the debate, COVID-19. Each candidate doubling down on how to handle the pandemic. Both challengers, Democrat Dr. Woody Myers and Libertarian Donald Rainwater, disapprove of Republican Governor Eric Holcomb's response. In this second debate, each candidate tackled a possible vaccine mandate. Well, it shouldn't be mandated, but it should be encouraged when it's safe. And it will have to go through the proper uh, approval uh, from the federal government. It must be a citizen's responsibility to determine what level of risk they're willing to take, what level of risk they are willing to put their children under, and government should not be involved in that decision. We know that uh, there today is no safe and effective vaccine approved uh, for COVID-19, but I'm hopeful that uh, when a Biden-Harris administration takes office and we have a new CDC and FDA director, that one will be forthcoming. Uh, I know that they'll look at the research and, and they'll follow the recommendations of the manufacturers and carefully look at any restrictions so that there may be some patients for whom the vaccine is inappropriate and therefore wouldn't be recommended. The men then traded policy points on everything from marijuana legalization, the state's high maternal mortality rate, and rural broadband internet access. In their final pitch, Rainwater asking voters if they're better off today than four years ago, pushing liberty as his promise for more. Under a rainwater administration, we will bring Hoosiers' freedoms back. Myers pointing to his credentials as a state's former health commissioner for your vote. His pledge, public safety as a top priority. Under that umbrella, we'll have uh, public health, criminal justice reform, those things that keep Hoosiers safe. Holcomb defending his record and promising to bring Hoosiers more jobs. The biggest issue I think facing the state of Indiana and every other state in the nation is how we are able to skill up our workforce. Reporting from Indianapolis, I'm Birchel Edmay. All right, let's turn now to the race for Congress. We're closely watching that race in the 5th District, which covers the north side of Indianapolis, Hamilton County and beyond. Recently, I sat down with Republican candidate Victoria Sparts and Democratic candidate Christina Hale. Well, let me tell you, when I became state senator, I always understood that I represent 100% of the people 
and I spend my time to meet with all sides on all of the aisles and all of the opinions from each side of the issue. And I wasn't a senator who's hiding from constituent, and even on some controversial issues, I would always do it. It's important. You don't represent the party, you don't represent the government, you represent the people, and you have to represent all people. I think most issues are human issues, not necessarily Republican or Democratic. And I'm going to approach it like I did in the Indiana General Assembly, where every single bill I ever passed, I passed with Republican partners. And I'm grateful to all the Republicans that helped me do that and um, helped me sometimes make a bad bill better, but I find that when you develop personal and professional trust across the aisle, you can really get good things done. How would you work to find middle ground? Would you have voted for this most recent relief package in the House? Uh, might you be willing to support uh, the, the kind of relief package that Senate Republicans are looking at passing next week? Oh. We absolutely need relief, and we need it now. I've been meeting, for example, with uh, people from the hospitality and restaurant industry right here in the district, and they're scared. You know, by many measures, we might lose 75 to 85 percent of our independent restaurants, and that's a disaster on a number of levels. People need aid now, and I intend to join the Problem Solvers Caucus in Washington when I serve in Congress, and that's a caucus made up of an equal number of Republicans and Democrats. They've been in the middle, and they've been driving really hard for uh, a solutions-based package, and, and that's exactly what I think we need to be doing. We're going to have an eviction tsunami fairly soon. We've got cold weather coming, and you even mentioned it in your program earlier that we've got uh, COVID um, spiking right here in Indiana. Would you have voted for the most recent relief package approved by the House? How, how will we find middle ground here? Well, unfortunately, we have so much politics in Washington, D.C., you know, not too much policy making, so we have a lot of drama. And unfortunately, there are some good proposals that President done, the House done, and the House uh, minority proposing, but it's just become a matter of political battle. They have their own rules and they try to encourage, so you know. And I think there is a debates and discussions, and they have their own advisors. And I think they try to, you know, they were given a lot of communications to other states and, you know, and to governors and working very closely. And governments had to decide because each but state's has that are different. Been clear? You know, that message was very clear to our state government. And, you know, our governor worked closely. And we won these conference calls, and our government, governor decided that it was good for Indiana. Some other governors decided differently. But, you know, one side never fits all. Let's listen to this question here from a young voter in Carmel. My name is Eli Kurlander and I'm from Carmel, Indiana. So the science unequivocally says that climate change is occurring and that humans are exacerbating the problem. So if elected to Congress, what will you do to help combat climate change and protect the environment? Climate change. What, what's the solution? Well, I'll tell you, Indiana has some of the worst air quality of any state in the nation. And I just want to remind viewers, too, energy production was an economic advantage for Indiana for years. Why? We had um, cheap coal. We're a cheap coal-burning state, and that's contributed to some of our problems here with air quality. But that energy production infrastructure is aging. 
and we're going to necessarily have to replace it or expensively retrofit it. And now's the time to diversify our energy production portfolio. There's tremendous opportunity for Indiana to get out ahead and claim some of these clean energy jobs that are high paying and really get to work to bring these win-wins back to Indiana. We need to make sure that these policies make sense, not just have a lot of demagogy and destroy industry. Make sure that we can deliver, because I think innovation in manufacturing, innovation in agriculture can bring potentially enormous benefits for the environment. Do you believe climate change is a significant well, issue? Well, I, I think, you know, it, we have some changes in the climate happens through history. It's irrelevant who even how it's contributed, is it human or not human. This debate will decide science to debate. But we have to have strong and good environmental policy because we want to have clean water for our kids. We want our kids to bring clean air. Every Republican or Democrat, it's a relevant issue, but let's just have a policy that actually contributes, not some policies that make a lot of billionaires making money, but in the end, they do nothing for the environment. Beth from Carmel wants to know about reproductive rights. She asks, what do you propose and support in those areas? Well, quite frankly, Dan, you know, I was a very young mother, and I will never forget that moment when I took a home pregnancy test and it came back positive, and I knew my life was forever changed, and I didn't know what to do. I was 19 years old. But I'll tell you, I'm very grateful that there was no politician in the doctor's office with me and I believe we should trust women with their own health care decisions and not politicize them. Would you support uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned if it came to that? Well, this is going to decide in the courts, you know. I'm, you know, that is just something, and, and that is a decision that's going to be decided in the courts, and I think, you know, Judge Barrett was actually very good at uh, really not in, implying her personal opinions because she is a scholar. I was impressed actually with her testimony. She's a scholar who believes, she's a regionalist who believes in constitution and rights and she will look through all of, of, of the precedents, all of the things that need to be looked at. Do you agree with some members of your party who, who want to see structural changes to how the Supreme Court uh, is, uh, at least in terms of the confirmation process or in terms of how many justices actually sit on the court? You know, we haven't changed the number of justices since the late 1800s. And I think that kind of conversation is extremely premature. We need to focus on the here and now. An idea of packing courts because somebody doesn't like the process, I think it's a very radical idea. And I, when I hear it from other side, it's unfortunate. We have elections. Elections have consequences. All right, that issue, of course, has been top of mind in recent days with Amy Coney Barrett swearing in. By the way, Indiana's 5th District, not the only open seat in our state. There'll be a new congressman in the 1st District, Republican Mark Leva taking on Democrat Frank Mervan. The winner will take over for Democrat Pete Visklosky, who's retiring after serving since 1985. A lot of incumbents running for re-election elsewhere. In the 2nd District, Congresswoman Jackie Wilarski facing off against Democrat Pat Hackett. Wilarski's been the 2nd District rep since 2013 seeking her fifth term in office. In the third district, it's incumbent Republican Jim Banks and Democrat Chip Coldiron fighting for votes. Banks is running for his third term in Congress. Coldiron is a teacher, both men military veterans and native Hoosiers. Republican Congressman Jim Baird taking on Democrat Joe Mackey in the fourth district. Baird won the congressional seat in 2018 after Attorney General candidate Todd Rokita ran for the Senate. Mackey's a retired machinist who worked at Caterpillar. Sixth District now, Congressman Greg Pence running against Democrat Janine Lee Lake. District 7, Congressman Andre Carson running for re-election. The Democratic representative up against 
Republican Susan Smith. In the 8th District, covering southwestern Indiana, Republican Congressman Larry Bouchon is facing off against Democrat Tomasina Marsili. Bouchon running for his sixth term. And finally, the 9th District, Republican Congressman Trey Hollingsworth looking for his third term after taking office in 2017. He's running against Democrat Andy Ruff. Here are my interviews with those candidates. Well, I do hope we work together next Congress. I have really, really regret the fact that Nancy Pelosi stood in the way of so much great work we could be doing in this Congress to help Americans get through this challenge, help businesses and families get through the coronavirus pandemic. I'm a much better candidate with a much better, uh, much higher uh, likelihood and ability to represent ordinary people in the Ninth District of Indiana than Mr. Hollingsworth. Uh, you know, he's, he's still not connected to Indiana in, a, in any subst substantial way to the Ninth District, I believe. Um, you know, he came in as an opportunist, purely came to the Ninth District for the reason to get a congressional seat. There was no other reason. I think Andy will be surprised when he sees the votes come in that we have connected with voters. Every single day I'm out talking to Hoosiers at their doorstep, on round tables, on Zoom calls, making sure that we're carrying back their hopes, their dreams, and their fears back to Washington to make sure I'm working on that. I think he's going to see the votes roll in and reflect that we have done tremendous work over the last four years, but there remains great work. All right, coming up next, this Sunday in Focus, those long lines for early voting. We'll talk with our panel about what we're seeing out at the polls, and we'll hear from the candidates for attorney general on big issues like health care and marijuana legalization next. We've been here about two and a half hours. It seems like they... They should make it easier for people to vote. Well, I think, you know, the lines are long, but it's um, too, too important an election to, to bypass voting this year. It's a hardship, particularly for people who are older, for certain, though. I'm concerned about them. Especially as we see COVID cases on the rise. And now these record-breaking numbers of early voters out at the polls. We have seen some very long lines here in Indianapolis, and we're talking about that with our panel today. We start with Rima Shahid from Women for Change Indiana. Rima, your thoughts on how the election itself is playing out here when you see all of those long lines here in Indianapolis these past few days? I think that people have been saying this is what democracy looks like, but I'm going to say this is what democracy doesn't look like. Democracy is supposed to make it easy for folks to engage and come out participate and what we've seen is record-breaking lines folks having to wait five six seven hours when they really shouldn't be especially in the middle of a pandemic we're seeing voter suppression at its finest when our most populated and diverse county marion county you have long lines but if you just go north 10 miles it's not that line of long of a line and so you really have to wonder why are folks actively trying to suppress the vote and make it harder for people in the middle of an economy when it's harder for, for folks to take a day off of work, caregivers, mothers, I think this is inexcusable. Early voting uh, opened up at Lucas Oil Stadium this weekend as well. We turn next to Tony Samuel with the Trump campaign. Tony, the polls have had the president trailing nationally and in the battleground states. Can he pull off another stunning upset here in 2020? Oh, no question. I, and I think he will pull off uh, the, the victory. It shouldn't be uh, called an upset, but the interesting thing is with all the attacks on the president over the last four years, they've actually, the left has actually made him an underdog and Americans love an underdog, especially this president who's accomplished so much. When you see the rallies and the enthusiasm of the thousands and thousands of people 
that come out and chant, I love you, or, or we love you, or we love Trump. You've never seen that before, and you've got the exact opposite, uh, zero enthusiasm, zero energy uh, for, for Joe Biden. You see people in their cars, who knows what they're doing? He's, uh, you know, I don't think they're really listening to him. I think they're listening to the radio. Uh, so, yes, uh, the President Trump will win. I think he's going to win big in Indiana. I'm predicting a 22-point win in Indiana and even more electoral votes than he had last time uh, against Hillary, uh, and, and he'll be reelected. He has been behind in the polls. We'll see how the pollsters do this year. Let's turn to former State Party Chair Robin Winston. You've been a part of the Biden campaign as well. How do you see this map playing out? I believe we're going to win on, on Tuesday night. Joe Biden has had a great message. Um, I'll trade you rally people for people that are lined up for hours to vote. I think it's really important you realize that Texas, for example, has had more people early vote than voted in all of 2016. The numbers are crazy in Georgia. There are 248% increase here in Marion County. I mean, the numbers are showing you, and that's not good for incumbents, when people are willing to stand in line and vote for a long uh, to make their, their voice heard. So Joe Biden's going to do well on Tuesday night. Before we bring in former state lawmaker Mike Murphy, let's look at some of the latest polling numbers here in Indiana. This is the spread here between President Trump and Joe Biden in the Hoosier state in this latest poll from the Rainey Center, 48-40, in advantage of eight points for the president. In the race for governor, Eric Holcomb leads Woody Myers 52-26, with libertarian candidate Donald Rainwater bringing in 14 percent in this latest poll. Mike, what do you think seeing these numbers? What else are you expecting on election night? Obviously, the governor's opponent, Woody Myers, just now up on TV this weekend. Holcomb might look... Uh, unbeatable despite these surging COVID numbers. It's some of the statehouse races where perhaps Republicans look more vulnerable. E even House Speaker Todd Houston has had to spend a lot of money in his race, in his district. Absolutely. First of all, uh, Holcomb is unbeatable no matter what uh, Myers does in the next four days or so. I do have to respond to something uh, Rahima said, and that is she was talking about people suppressing the votes in Marion County. Well, the voting machinery in Marion County is run by the Democratic Party. The Republicans have no say in Marion County anymore. We all know that. So let's let's you know stick with the facts. When it comes to state legislative races, you're going to see uh, the ones you need to be watching are Jerry Tor in Carmel, uh, Todd Houston. Believe it or not, as you said, he had to spend he's having to spend a lot of money just to keep a seat. The Jack Sandlin State Senate seat down on the south side. Um, those are big ones. Also. Uh, Soliday up in uh, northwest Indiana near Valparaiso. He's uh, in a rocky position right now. So I fully expect Donald Trump, even though he won by 20 points in 16, he'll win Indiana by about six points. That's what the insider Republicans are seeing. And you'll see um, the very close race between uh, Sparks and Hale, which I'm not prepared to try to call at all. Yeah, could be a close one there in, in the 5th Congressional District. All right, we want to remind you, our team will be here on election night when the polls close statewide at 7 p.m. We'll be live on air and online with results and analysis. Even when we're in ne national network coverage on TV, we will be here throughout the night with live local coverage online, including speeches from the big winners Tuesday night here in Indiana. We also have more interviews with the candidates on our website. Just click on In Focus. Coming up next, interviews with Todd Rokita and Jonathan Weinzapfel. One of them will be Indiana's next attorney general. We'll hear from them both coming up next. Well, today we're also looking at the race for Attorney General and sitting down with candidates Todd Rokita and Jonathan Weinzapfel. Here's Kayla Sullivan with more. 
Republican Todd Rokita's campaign is focused on job creation and recovering Indiana's economy. Democrat Jonathan Weinzapfel is concentrating on protecting the Affordable Care Act and legalizing marijuana. Despite what either candidate may say about these differences in priorities, political science expert Laura Wilson says they're all relevant to the attorney general position. There's requirements for what the attorney general must do, but in terms of the opportunities for what they can do, what they can be involved in, I think you see a very clear difference between Wines, Apple and Rokita just in campaigning alone. So now the voter needs to decide what matters to them. Rokita is against the Affordable Care Act and thinks the state should be in charge of your health care. So he would keep Indiana in the lawsuit against the ACA. The key is not to let our tax dollars go to Washington in the first place. And that's why I, I am a huge supporter of block grants, making sure that the money that we would otherwise send uh, to the federal government to go to other states perhaps stays right here in Indiana by block granting it to us. We're in the middle of a global pandemic and I think it makes zero zero sense to be eliminating the protections afforded to Hoosiers through the Affordable Care Act. Wilson says lawsuits on criminal justice and police reform could also be brought before the AG. I think we can provide enhanced training. I, can, we may, I think we can make sure that officers that can't follow standard operating procedures uh, are finding a different profession. We should evaluate what our police are teaching in the academy, uh, the methods they're using, and then from that evaluation, with them make needed changes. Then there's the debate of marijuana or the handling of COVID-19. At the end of the day, it's all about which topic matters most to you, the voter. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kayla Sullivan. Kayla, thanks. We'll be right back after this. Time for this week's winners and losers or who you think will be the big winners Tuesday. Rima. I think the losers this week are all of us. COVID-19 is spiking and we need meaningful change to combat the pandemic. All right, Tony. My winners are the Trump voters that are gonna come out and stand up for President Trump and deliver a victory for him uh, in the face of intimidation and attacks. They know that he's the best to bring back the economy and safety and security to this country. We'll see what happens Tuesday, Robin. The millions of people that performed the greatest service ever and that is voting and supporting our democracy. Mike, you get the last word. No losers this week, only one winner. I'd so, I'm so proud to say the word that Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Sounds great. America's going to be greater because of it. Confirmed to the Supreme Court on Monday. Thank you all. We appreciate it. We'll see you on election night with results and analysis. And again, right here next Sunday in Focus. Thanks so much for watching.